Welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast about web development. I'm Brad Garropy. And I'm Richard Gottlieber. This week, we're going to be talking about our setups, what we use on a day-to-day basis. So I know everybody's a fan of figuring out the different tools that different people use to get their job done. And I think I just want to start off with a disclaimer, Brad, that the tools that we use, all you really need is a very basic connection to the internet in order to do web development. Yeah. With stuff like GitHub, what's their code spaces, I think, is the web-based GitHub, like VS Code client. Yep. That's all you need. Now, certain things make it easier, quicker, maybe more fun, more enjoyable. But before we get going, I just wanted to throw that out there. Like being a developer, it's not about having like the fancy RGB keyboard, super clicky keyboard, you know, giant monitor, but that stuff's a lot of fun. So let's talk about that. Yeah. And it's all about your hobbies. Like if you're your programmer by day and gamer or streamer by night, you're going to want a different setup for that kind of stuff. And you're spot on, like with the way web dev is moving with cloud hosting, all the tools. Like, I'll just rattle off a couple more. Figma is web-based, right? VS Code is going web, web-based web in a bunch of different places. You got things like CodePen and Code Sandbox, where you can actually author code and connect direct to GitHub. And then your deployments are done through there. Like, almost our entire pipeline can be done in a web browser, which is why I have considered getting something like a Chromebook and just nothing else. Like, it's crossed my mind. So I'm not going to lie. I about once every two or three months, give it a good solid try to do all my web dev work on my iPad. I really want that to be a thing. I don't know why, but I really want to be able to do all of my work just on an iPad. And so you could go anywhere, do anything. It's small and convenient. I feel like the keyboard would be the limiting factor there, like your input mechanism. Other than that, the iPad could be the driver. On the iPad Pros, they actually have some pretty good keyboards. And another thing to keep in mind is you can hardwire a keyboard to your iPad now. Oh, wow. So you can have your full-size keyboard with your iPad. This has been available for a long time, actually. I have a picture from probably like six years ago of an iPad mini I had and a full-size keyboard. And it looks ridiculous, (laughs) but it worked. Yeah, and that just goes to show you how out of touch I am with the Apple world. So I guess that kind of brings us to our our first piece of tech. Let's talk about our computer, our PC setup, our laptop setup. Richard, what do you run? So most of my work right now, I do on a MacBook Air with the M1 chip in it. I just got it not that long ago. It is fantastic. It lasts for like two days. So it's not what I use like professionally for work, but from all my side projects and everything, like recording this podcast, everything like that. It's what I use. And it lasts for about two days with that M1 chip. And it's amazing. It's pretty small, lightweight. I also have, so I call that like, you know, like the silent performer because it has no fan. I also have a, for funsies, um, HP Omen desktop, which is like the jet turbine of fun. Because when the fans kick on on that thing, it sounds like we're blasting off. But yeah, those are, those are my main two two things. For work, I just have a MacBook Pro. That's what work gave me. It's totally fine. It does the job. Not going to complain. It has the the horrific older MacBook Pro keyboard that is terrible, but we'll talk about keyboards in a minute. So you mentioned 
you are not in the Apple ecosystem much, Brad. What do you what do you use? Yeah, I mean, work gave me the standard issue MacBook Pro as well, and I can vouch for the keyboard thing. I do not like it. But ever since transitioning to working from home, I can do everything from my, you know, fancy PC setup. So I run everything off of a custom built PC. Most everything in there is NZXT parts. So the case, the motherboard, you know, any of the components I could get from NZXT, it has an aesthetic that I really like. And then I rounded it out with a graphics card and an Intel processor and stuff like that. Very cool. Very cool. So you have a desktop. That means you don't have a built-in monitor. What do you do as far as your monitor setup goes? Yeah. So I'm a two monitor kind of guy. I run two Dell 27 inch monitors side by side. And the reason why I like it is first of all, the picture is great on Dell monitors, but Secondly, I kind of have this logical separation when I'm streaming where this is my like mm, broadcast panel where I'm like monitoring the stream and all this stuff. And then the other one is for the content that's actually getting streamed. So I know, you know, don't cross those wires. You missed a Ghostbusters reference there. You could have said never cross the streams. Oh, (laughs) dude, I did not pick up on that. That's perfect. But anyway, yeah, so I actually have a Dell 27-inch monitor as well. It's a 4K monitor, so I'm only using one. Personally, I like just the one monitor setup. I've had two on my desk before. I just personally like one monitor and just kind of focusing. Again, as we mentioned in our streaming episode, I don't currently stream. I think if I was streaming, I would definitely need some sort of second monitor. I'd probably open up my laptop that's connected to the monitor to have a second screen. But yeah, the the 4K monitor is ridiculous as I'm not old yet, but I'm getting up there and I'm starting (laughs) to think that the resolution on a 4K monitor is a bit much because even at 27 inches and 4K, like VS Code and the default font size, it's pretty small. Yeah. Have you run into any problems with font scaling in your applications? Uh, I haven't seen any. I do bump up the size of the font on most applications though, because it's, I mean, essentially I have four 1080p monitors here, right? Like, you know, so it gets to be a bit, a bit crazy if you don't bump stuff up, but it's nice to have the space when you want it. Yeah. I went with the, I guess they're called HD or what's like 2k. I I don't know those like monitor terms. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not at 4k, um, but I have heard that, some of the newer ultra wides have this logical split between the monitors where it's a single panel, but logically it presents itself as two devices to your machine. So it gives you the same two monitor effect in a single panel. So like that was the thing that was stopping me from getting an ultra wide and the cost a couple of years back. But I think like a lot of that has gotten better and I can still get the same like performance aspects out of it with the logical division. That's very interesting because I use an app to essentially do that. So I know in in Windows, like the window management within Windows is really good. Yeah. On the Mac, it's not quite as good. I have an app that does basically makes it on par with Windows, but having the ability to just like say, I want this just on the left half of the screen or this app on the right half of the screen or, you know, up in the corner, whatever is really nice when you have this much real estate. I'm thinking of like when you broadcast a screen over like Zoom or Blue Jeans or whatever you use, 
and you get to pick like monitor one or monitor two and that's what it'll give you in a single yeah. ultra wide it'll let you pick um even and then you can still tile windows in those logical monitors that's cool yeah, yeah. When it comes to screen sharing, the 4K monitor definitely can be a hindrance because when I'm doing stuff for work and I'm sharing my screen, I normally have to change my resolution because otherwise it's just, it's too much for other people's screens. Like, you know, they'd just be tiny. Oh, wow. So we've got the computers and we've got the monitors. Now we got to get stuff into the computer. So I know in the developer space, keyboards can be a bit of a thing. Have you taken the dive into mechanical keyboards yet? I did. I mean, I guess you could say I always used a mechanical keyboard. I had like a Razer keyboard with the big clicky switches and I used the Razer Black Widow for years, but it was literally just, I guess, like Christmas this year when I got my first real, you know, mechanical keyboard, I got the drop control high profile uh, and I love it. The thing is like so heavy. And that's my favorite part about it. It's just stable and sturdy. What do so you got? I promise this isn't, I promise this isn't planned. I also use a drop keyboard <laughs> for my day to day right now. Um, but it's the alt, not the control. I am a fan of smaller keyboards. So I, I kind of rotate through them. I got bit by the mechanical keyboard bug a while ago. And I started out with a DOS keyboard. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, a full size, like 10 key. And then from there I found 40% keyboards, which they don't have the number row. So it's basically just like the letters and the modifier keys and that's it. And that's really all you need, but it does take some getting used to with like layers and stuff like that. So I don't know. I have a, a good handful of keyboards. I've built several keyboards and I end up normally selling the keyboards. So I don't, you know, amass a huge inventory of keyboards. This helps keep my wife happy about my hobby where she's like, you're paying how much for a keyboard? And why is the keyboard you have not good enough already? Yeah, the cost is, is fun. The cost is pretty incredible. Like, I actually don't know what makes them so expensive, but just be prepared to spend like over $200 <laughs> on a keyboard. And what, what even blew me away more than that was I bought a keycap set that was going to take like <laughs> eight months to show up because like they haven't even manufactured it yet. And it was like way more expensive than a keycap set should be. So like my build isn't even done yet because I don't have keycaps or any of the other parts come in yet. Yeah. Keycaps are a whole nother monster. There's this really awesome Boba Fett key set that I want. It's not being produced anymore. Aww. And so when it's not being produced, you can still buy it, but you're going to pay a premium and I don't think I'm willing to pay like $500 just for keycaps. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely mechanical keyboards. They're fun. It's like a hobby unto itself. So, you know, I mean, again, my disclaimer still applies here. Like there's absolutely nothing wrong with like the Amazon basics keyboards with Logitech keyboards, but keyboards are just fun. I kind of like the, the older like plastic Dell keyboard I used for ages. Yeah, man. Speaking of old keyboards, like the old IBM keyboards, those things cost a pretty penny these days too. And I had forgotten how loud they were. Yeah. If it's you like want to look the, up on YouTube, those old switches with like the buckle spring switches, whew, they are noisy. 
it's like all the old stuff is coming back in style. Yeah. The, the circle is completing again. <laughs> so you use Windows. So I'm assuming you're not one of those developers who spends all their time in Vim and just doesn't even have a mouse attached to their computer. What about mice? Do you use a fancy mouse as well? I wouldn't say it's fancy. It's just, just a wired mouse by this company called Mionix. And the only reason why I like it is because the shape is perfect for my hand. Haven't found anything else that fits just right. I did. I do use a trackpad when we were going in the office, like the Apple trackpad. And I found that it would just tire my hands and fingers out. You know, you're typing all day. I don't need more finger motion in addition to all the keyboard time I had. Yeah. I've seen some people who do like the mouse on the right and the trackpad on the left because there's some like shortcuts you can do with the trackpad that are pretty cool. Yeah, I can definitely say that trackpads are kind of surprisingly tiresome for my hand as well. I can actually get like a little bit of RSI going if I use a trackpad too much, which is why I actually use a track ball for my mouse. I have one of those MX Ergos right now. It's wireless. I've had MX trackballs for a while and normally... What ends up happening is I, with the old ones that weren't Bluetooth, I'd lose the little dongle that connected into my computer. They would work forever, though. They're amazingly robust, like long-lasting devices. This is so a good time of, to talk about wired versus wireless. Like, are you the kind of person who wants that, like, totally wireless setup? Everything's Bluetooth or whatever the new, like, Logitech Lightspeed thing is? Or do, do you not mind the wires? I'm not a fan of wires. If I could go all wireless and have like a mechanical keyboard and everything that I liked, I think I would. On my desk right now, I have one cable that plugs into my laptop and one cable from my keyboard. Everything else is kind of tucked and hidden away. It's definitely not like Instagram desk worthy because for podcast recording and stuff, I have a rat's nest of wires over on the right side of my desk. But as far as like input and, you know, keyboard, mouse, everything, I try to keep it as minimal as possible. What about you? You know, Chris Coyer was talking about this yesterday on Shop Talk to Show, just saying like, if, if you only have two or three wires on your desk, you, you can work to optimize just those two or three. But like the minute you start doing audio recording and you have 15 wires running everywhere, what's the point? You know, uh, for me, I, I live that wired life. It's mostly the mouse that I can't do wireless. I like the gaming mice that just go so fast. I love that. And if I use any other mouse, it feels slow, laggy. And so I, I can't go back. Yeah, I have a Razer. I think it's Death Adder on my gaming mm -hmm. PC. And it is it's really nice. The um, this sounds really silly, but the cable, the wire technology has come a long way because like the wire on that mouse is so soft and it's like covered in cloth that like it, it feels wireless. It's not like, you know, the old wired mice or like the wire coming out of my keyboard. For example, this is gigantic honker of a USB cable. So what about headphones? Uh, we work from home all day. I'm sure you have to block out kids and <laughs> dogs and everything else that's going on. You have any kind of special headphones? I'm a big fan of the Bose QC 35s, I think is what I have currently. They work fantastically well while working from home there's definitely noises and distractions back when we were in the office we had an open office layout and i am 
like that dog and up, Doug, where I will go squirrel if I hear or see something interesting. And open offices are the absolute worst for me and working. <laughs> so having noise-canceling headphones are like a necessity. I, I don't even, like, without them, good luck getting anything done. So the Bose, like, they work great. I know there's other, like, brands. Like, basically, once you get into the, you know, high-end noise-canceling headphones, they're all going to work fantastically well and do basically the same thing. I don't know. I am by far not an audiophile. So these sound great. They work great. Most importantly, I don't hear anything when I have them on much to the dismay of my wife sometimes when I'm working from home and she will be having a conversation with me and I'll turn around and go, Oh, uh, Hey, what was that? And so then she has to repeat (laughs) what she just said. What about you? Yeah, I've got the, probably the biggest competitor to the Bose QC 35s. I've got the Sony blah, 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 whatever they are. Uh, I actually purchased both the Bose and the Sonys and tried them out for a week. And for me, it was mostly just about comfort on my head. The Sonys felt more comfortable. I thought they had a little bit better noise canceling, even though the Bose maybe had slightly better sound. So I stuck with the Sonys. I can wear them for eight to 10 hours a day. Absolutely no problem. And the, the battery's great on them as well. It's funny that you mentioned the movie Up because my kids are like so into that right now. But the funny thing is we only play it in Spanish because my my children are like dual language. And so I've kind of never seen the movie because I've only heard it in Spanish. So I had no idea the dog said squirrel. (laughs) I had no idea. How do you say squirrel in Spanish? Ardia. Okay. Now I got to check myself. It's Ardia. chipmunk close enough (laughs) (laughs) okay so we got all this gear what do you put it on what's your desk set up like i have just a super basic standing desk from i think it's from fully it's the jarvis and honestly it's like a i don't know i don't know what to call it like a synthetic top that looks like the desks that we, I'm sure you had the same thing, kind of that dark faux wood that you had in like grade school. Oh yeah. You know, like the top of your desk with like the black metal cubby for you to slide your stuff in. in the <laughs> yeah. Desk. It looks just like that. So, you know, it, it brings me back to the good old days, but I don't know. I, I use a standing desk. I stand probably 95% of my day. Although I've heard that the new thing is not standing anymore. It's floor sitting. I don't think I could do that. I, I think I lack the flexibility to be honest. That's part of why like the, the, I watched this YouTube video about it with this guy I was talking about how like, he used to stand all day and then he had a back injury doing deadlifts and he started sitting on like squatting against the wall to work on his um, mobility uh-huh. while he was working. And then he transitioned to sitting on the floor because you can't sit in the same position for very long on the floor. So you have to kind of move around. Yeah, so you're constantly like moving and stretching a little bit here and there. I don't know. It's probably like the most hipstery thing ever. Be like, yeah, I used to have a standing desk. Now I have a floor desk. <laughs> but Or it's just a yeah, standing desk know. that goes real low. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it works well. I don't know. I'm, I mean, it's nothing fancy. I do know that it's like fairly common to take the legs that I have on the standing desk and grab like an Ikea top like a countertop or something and slap them on there because it's a little cheaper option especially once you go wide my desk is pretty narrow it's just you know 
just a desk for doing work on it. Like it fits my 4k monitor pretty well. What about you? I see you have like a giant slab of beefy wood there in front of you. Yeah. Like I wasn't like, I didn't have too much stuff on my desk when we bought this. Um, but we were going around shopping for new furniture cause we got a new house and we, we found this at like this custom furniture store. So it's this really cool, um, wooden top desk with this like steel structure for legs. It's pretty awesome looking, but the bad part about it is that it's uneven. So like my keyboard that should be solid as a rock, like bounces back and forth because the wood has, you know, it's very natural wood it has waves in it. So I put a piece of glass on here once and then cracked it when I started mounting things to the desk. So soon I'm going to have to upgrade. I'm going to have to get like, you know, one of those standing desks with uh, that's very wide and very deep. I like resting like up to my elbows on the desk so that I don't have to like support much of that. I got you. Yeah. I sometimes wish I had a bigger desk, but I don't know. I would just fill it up with junk and it would get super cluttered. So sometimes the smaller desk is better for me, I think. Yeah. I have this vision of mounting things underneath the desktop. Uh, you know, like putting like a tray in there and, and putting my audio equipment like under. And I can't do that with this one because the really cool artisan steel frame underneath it like takes up too much surface area on the bottom of the desk. So I couldn't drill into it. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I sometimes think that just kind of like building your own desk. I mean, there's not a lot to a desk, really. Legs and a top like <laughs> would be the way to go. But yeah. So we kind of touched on working from home earlier when we talked about the headphones and stuff. I know working from home, everybody loves Zoom or whatever flavor of Zoom you're using. When it comes to Zoom, like you stream, we've talked about that. I'm stream curious. And we want to always have like, you know, like high quality video and stuff like that. What is your like camera and lighting setup as far as the video goes? Yeah, it, it's so crazy. Like you, you mentioned, this didn't become like mandatory or common until work from home happened. Everybody just had their whatever iPhone headphones and laptop camera. But uh, for me, I have a Sony a6000 mirrorless camera with the Elgato key light. So cameras <laughs> like half the battle. You got to have good lighting because, you know, if you don't have lighting. You're just kind of grainy and dark. So when you mix the two together, things get infinitely better. And uh, these are mounted to my desk on these Elgato multi-mount stands. So they sit like above my monitor and look down on me. That's cool. That's way fancier than what I've got. I have a little tiny webcam from Razer, actually. that has like a built-in ring light. Mm -hmm. It's the Razer. I think it's like, I don't know how to say it, like Kyo, K-I-Y-O. Like, I mean, as far as a webcam goes, it's fantastic quality for a webcam. The light helps a little bit. My desk is in front of a window, so I don't have, you know, like the nice fancy Elgato lights. I just have the sun, which sometimes is great. Other times it's terrible. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm kind of curious just to kind of take a moment here. How many of your coworkers have something more than just their laptop camera? Not many, to be honest. Like Adobe gave us a work from home budget to help get people set up when we transitioned and most people had to spend that on 
a desk and an office chair. Like they, they, they didn't have a place to sit and work. So like yeah. 90% of the people have laptop cameras. So every time I turn my camera on, they're like, Oh my gosh, am I in a radio show? Like, what do you do? So that comment about being on like a radio show is something that I get a lot too. And it's not so much the quality of the video, but it's the fact that I'm talking into a microphone, which I got this microphone to start podcasts and I figured I might as well use it for work because I have it and why not, you know, put the best foot forward anytime I'm in a meeting, right? Like I have the camera, I have the microphone, might as well use them when I'm on meetings for work. The mic that I have, it's nothing extravagant. It's a Rode pod mic. And, you know, it's, it's nothing super fancy, but it works well. And it's way different than just, you know, using your built-in laptop microphone, or like you said, like, you know, just a pair of headphones. What kind of microphone are you using? Yeah, I'm using the Shure SM58. Uh, it's not cheap, but it's definitely not one of the high-end mics. But again, just getting one changes your sound so much. And I think maybe this is a good time to just talk about our whole audio chain, a lot of times in audio setups, you don't just have a mic that plugs into your computer. They have to run through a bunch of different pieces of hardware and then go into your computer. So I've got this Shure SM58 sitting on a Rode PSA boom arm. You know, it's those things that you can like move around and position the mic. And then it goes into this preamp and processor called a DBX286S. And so this is the thing that like... Um, Make sure when you yell or something, it doesn't get too loud for your listeners. And it, it's a de-esser. So when you make the S sound, it doesn't hurt people's ears and all sorts of stuff. And then that finally runs into my audio interface, which is a Focusrite Scarlett Solo. That's the thing that takes your analog signal, turns it into digital, sticks it into the computer. That's my audio chain. So it's technically three devices before it ever <laughs> touches a computer. What about yours? So I actually have the same uh, mic boom arm. It's great. Mm-hmm. And then, so I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm like full on road over here. So I have the road pod mic, the road PS, what is it? PSA one, the boom arm. And then it runs into a roadcaster. So the roadcaster basically does all the stuff that you mentioned about like DSing and noise gate and all that stuff. It can take everything and just turn it into a USB signal and feed that into the computer. It also has onboard recording, which is really nice. So I can record directly to a SD card as well as my computer, which is nice to have just that little backup. And, you know, maybe in the after times, I can take just the roadcaster with me and record a podcast in person. That would be fun. We still have yet to meet in person and I can't wait. I think we're going to, yeah, everybody's going to be vaccinated soon. We'll go out and have a drink. Actually, meet yeah, that'll be great. So, I think we've pretty much covered our setup on our desk and everything. Is there anything else that like hardware wise you want to chat about? I I got just like one extra little goodie because I'm a streamer. I need to be able to like live on the fly, do a lot of things. And so Elgato makes this little thing called the stream deck that just provides physical buttons you can push to change scenes, do all sorts of stuff on the fly. And I use it to automate a lot of stuff on my computer as well. So super handy little thing if you want to pick that up. Yeah, I don't have a need for one of those, but the little tiny screens on the keys make me really want one for some reason. I think it's there was so a keyboard cool. back in the day that had that same thing where it had like little tiny LCD screens for the keycaps. 
And I was like, man, that's amazing. You can make them whatever you wanted. It was ridiculously expensive. I think it was called like the Optimus something keyboard. I don't know if it ever became a thing. Wow. But yeah, awesome. So that kind of covers our setups from a hardware standpoint. I know that's only half the battle, right? Like this is how we do the work, but what we do the work in, I think that's another topic that we could talk about a bit more in depth about what we actually use as far as software in another episode, if you're cool with that. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, As programmers, we probably use a ton of different things inside the computer that would merit a lot of time to talk about. So thank you for tuning into this week's Web Dev Weekly. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe in your podcast player. And check us out on Twitter. You can find our handles in the show notes. See y'all next week.